Good day, mates, and welcome to Digital Digital Get Down Get Down. This is week 85, we think. Um, yeah. Sure. If Something we have like a that. Count. Uh, before we get any further, we mm-hmm. had two mailbags this week from <gasps> our, our two listeners. Do we have like a jingle or something when that happens? Oh, mailbag. Mailbag. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just riffing here. Our uh, third host, by the way, is, is snoring away here. Uh, we're recording on a new microphone. I probably got too nice of a microphone, so it's picking up every vibration in this house, as well as every snore. Let us know if it's shitty. Uh, we have two mailbags, one of them from Elizabeth, friend of the show. Friend, big friend of the show. Best friend of the show, really, we should say. Okay. And That could uh, be contentious, former sorry. Guest of the yeah. sh- former okay. guest as well. She uh, sent this funny tweet that I sent you. Yeah. Uh, that's the opposite of you. Would you like this to read This is basically it our life now, which is you handing me your phone with tweets. Well, and I can't screen. even reach you all the way because the baby's sleeping on me, yeah. so it's just like me chucking a phone at you. Oh, yeah. No, this was a great tweet. I love... Oh, my God. I mean, it's a terrible <laughs> tweet. I love maps at the beginning of a novel, but it shouldn't be for fantasy titles alone. Rom-com set in an office? I want to see your floor plan. Cozy middle grade in a small town? I want to see the town! Murder mystery in a stately home? I want to see the Cluedo style bird's eye view. Cluedo? I don't know what that means. I don't know. Like the game of Clue where you can see all the rooms? I guess so. That's an adjective now? I don't know. Um, The only time I've been hypocritical about it was I loved it in, um, what was the Rainbow Rowell uh, graphic novel, the Pumpkinheads one? Yes. Because if it's a very contained space where you have to understand where they're moving, that's fine. And it was directly required for that book because Correct. they were like going from X to, to Y to Z. Mm-hmm. Whereas normally it's just like, I'm, I'm supposed to know which mountain passes between these two kingdoms. Yeah. Um, our other mailbag is from Best Relative of the Show. Okay. We're giving out all these names this week. I'm trying to not offend anyone by <laughs> using Best Friend of the Show. Um, it's a correction, actually. Okay. We talked about Gabe Kapler last week. We did, yeah. And I was not prepared, and you weren't, didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Um, he now manages the Giants after getting fired from the Phillies he last got, year. He got a manager job, okay. Yeah, so he's managing the Giants. And the reason we brought him up last week was that he hired a female batting coach. Right. Not that he was a heartthrob when he was playing. No. Okay. Related, but not okay. entirely the point. Yeah. Um, so he manages the Giants, for anyone who's concerned. Thank you, Cousin Andrew. Got it. Shout out. Um, so now that we've got that out of the way, yeah, I was going to talk about some of the shows I've been watching while I've been home on maternity leave. You've had some time I, to yourself. Which is good because I honestly did not watch a lot of TV when I was pregnant, I don't think. No. Like with school, I don't like come home and binge watch things and on the weekend, I don't know, not much of a binge watcher, but I've had You don't have a lot, TV. you haven't had a lot of solo shows. Same for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because most of our free time when we're both working is at mm-hmm. the same time. So, yeah. anyways. Uh, Third I host, be quiet. can talk whenever you want to, bud. Um, I finished Mrs. Maisel, the marvelous Mrs. Yep. Maisel. Really got into it. You did. Like, I got really into it. I got home every day and, like, had to kind of pull you away from it. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. liked it. It's got a very unique, like, feel of the show. I've mm-hmm. talked about this before on the podcast. The ambiance. But the ambiance, it feels very much like you're watching a musical or like, a, it's almost like a period piece, but it's not like Victorian England. But yeah. they do a very good job of kind of sucking you in with the costumes and the settings and um, and just the overall tone of the show strikes this nice balance of like... Does it make you laugh though? 
For a show about stand-up comedy, it is not really a comedy. That's where I'm going with this. Uh, Yeah, so it's not because all of her stand-up is is from that era, so it doesn't necessarily translate. Not necessarily. Uh, Her stand-up is more like Mike Burbig style. Yeah, where she's kind of like, "This is how terrible my life is." So it's more storytelling stand-up that you're like awkward chuckle at her. Yeah, Mm. where she's talking about like how her husband cheats on her and how she like she kind of like makes up stories about her kids in the park and stuff. So it's more of a chuckle. I watched um, most of the finale with you. I think dark. It, the finale got a bit dark. I think it confirms that I don't. I don't need to watch the show. Okay, it's not for me. I don't think. That's fine. Um, you're, you're not. Um, you're not really a musical person. Overall, would we say that? I I'm very selective. Yeah, you're very selective, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is the type of like play or musical that you would not enjoy. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, I've really enjoyed it. I've, I'm impressed where they went with the second and third seasons mm-hmm. in terms of keeping it fresh and not having it just be like her at failed comedy clubs every single episode. Like they, yeah. the second season, they did a lot with her parents and. Um, the Is third it a season. joke that she's such a bad mother? Uh, I think it's meant to be more. She's like a rich person of that era. Oh, she's rich now in this season. She's always been rich. Have you seen her outfits? Like oh. her family's rich, right? The the third that's why season, she had the opportunity to do stand up, basically, because hmm. she married into a well off family and she, her family's was well off. But, but she's divorced was, at this point. She's divorced. But got so a she lot has of money. like all of her nice clothes and stuff. But she's been living with her parents, and her parents have been taking care of her kids. Got and it. then that's the half the B plot of the third season is that her dad decides to give up his cushy tenure at Columbia and go back to like trying to start a revolution or something yeah and then the mom gets cut off the mom gets yeah the mom gets cut off from her family so all of a sudden the parents also don't have the type of money and lifestyle they're used to got it so it was a risk pulling in like the parents as main characters yeah but it actually really worked for the show okay and i enjoyed it so yeah is there gonna be a season four I assume so. They left it pretty cliffhanger in it it's like their biggest hit amazon it's like one shit as we well know what did you say? One shit? It has won awards and shit. Oh, it has won. I thought you said numeral uno shit. Has, shit is number two. It has won awards and shit. Correct. So you Well, the Emmys are this weekend, so we'll find <laughs> It's the Grammys this I, weekend, isn't it? It's the Academy Awards. The Academy Awards. The Oscars could not care less. Oh, my God. No. Um, I'm going to have to see Parasite if it wins, though. Like, everybody loves to tell you how good Parasite is. I want you to watch it. It is not for me. But it's every genre. How can you know Don't it's care. not for you? Um, it looks really this awful combination of like creepy thriller. Oh, you're not supposed to know anything about it ahead of time. I won't tell you. You've, the plot. Already, you've already ruined it for yourself. It's this weird combination of like creepy thriller and like this like secondhand embarrassment of like are they going to get caught? And I don't think I would like it. Okay. I won't tell you any more about it if okay. you're going to watch it. But I looked up the plot because I was like I don't understand this, and then I looked it up and I was like, Mm-mm, not for me. Okay. It's probably going to win, I bet. I don't know. Well, I'd like you to watch it. Same thing with that Melissa McCarthy one that I knew I wouldn't like. I want you to watch it. That's true. I don't think I would like it. And if you watch it and you're like, it transcends genre, then sure, maybe I'll watch it. Shoot me if I say that. (laughs) Um, The other one I finished was Everyone Was Raving About Sex Education Season 2. Oh, can we talk about this? Sure, honey, go ahead. What a weird fucking show. How much of it did I watch? Like a half an episode? No, like an episode and a half, I think. You watched like three half episodes, I think. Did you so watch an episode and a half. There you go. The <laughs> yeah, math but I'm is saying, there. You, you never sat and watched a full episode. Oh, definitely not. No. 
I feel Again, like that's... Again, you would come home from work and I'd be, like, finishing an episode. I feel like this is our our twist to this podcast. It's like we... we, we both of our hosts may not have seen all the thing, but we're going to talk authoritatively about it. That's going to lead well into your next Netflix hot take, too. It is? Yes. I'll remind you. Okay, we'll Talk sure. about sex education. Um... Like, this sh- what is this show? I don't even... Not talking about the plot. Like, has there ever been a less defined setting for a piece of visual no, art? No, and I sent you that article, and it's... I can't tell if it's brilliant or just lazy or really fucking frustrating. Right. That, like, it has no time... No grounding. No setting. It, Correct. You don't know what, de- what There's a vaguely in. UK accent to everybody. It was filmed in Wales. It okay. looks very small town United Kingdom to me. Right. But then the school looks very American. It's with like varsity people letter People wearing jackets. letterman jackets. And in terms of the timing, like the way the mother operates with her notebook and like uh, her like, she seems to be like a like a trailblazer in terms of like sexual awakening makes screams like 70s to me but then there's computer laptops and phones but then like i watched that episode and a half and no one used a smartphone no one mentioned watching porn online yet they're all going to this one kid for sexual advice doesn't make any sense um it's kind of like that show we that movie we watched with um what's his face that died from um that's a good way to start a story star trek yeah Anton. Um, yeah, Charlotte. It, it was a name. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like that, except he was trying to be like a psychiatrist and give out yeah. drugs to people to Correct. help them with things. It, the, the first season started off similar to that, where like he just has like kind of gotten so much from his mom uh, with all of her uh, clients mm-hmm. and all, all of her preaching and books and stuff that he like was accidentally giving out advice to people who were having sexual troubles. No, I get that. It's just I'm saying like you you watched very far down the line from that. Yeah. As I've mentioned in the podcast before, like the first season kind of starts off a little bit cleverly and then it gets a little bit stuck in like the sex problem of the week, the monster of right, the week yeah. kind of this season like branched out from that, yeah. which I liked a lot more. The first season they tried to stick so hard to that plot yeah. that they like it got boring to me and they they didn't go away from that too much. Yeah. The second season I think your problem is they went way away from it and it, it was tough to connect it back to like the original premise of the show. Yeah. I, I all I can say is that if they have not addressed kids watching porn on the internet, then it's not it has no grounding in realism. You're telling me all these kids are experimenting with different things and they're not getting any of their information from the internet? Yeah, that's... I don't know. There was... That's a large leap of faith for me. There's definitely been uh, plot lines about people's phones, but not social Hmm. media. It's bizarre. And yeah, the article you... Like, it talked to the showrunner and they were like... They gave, like, an excuse for it? They basically said they wanted wanted it to feel John Hughesian. Like, they wanted it to, like, feel like those types of, like, 80s... Um, teen yeah. thing, teen shows or yeah. teen movies, but they also wanted it to feel more modern than that. So they kind of went with just this very yeah. I don't know. I can't okay. tell if it's brilliant or ridiculous. Okay, I think it's clear where I stand. Okay, um, I enjoyed it. I think the second season was better than the first season. I still don't think it's like the best show of all time, hmm. but the second season did have a lot of interesting topics that not a lot of shows get into. There was an asexual character. There's um, a couple different bi characters, and they have a gay character and religion storyline that I found interesting. Okay. 
um, yeah, I, I thought they had a lot of diversity. That's good. Which was nice. Not just racial diversity, but a lot of various, um, LGBTQ representation and also just like being honest about teen sexuality. Mm Mm-hmm. Not having it be like everyone's abstinent or not having it be like everyone is going all the way on prom night and that's the only time we talk about sex with teens. Sure. Like having a lot of variety of things. How do adults making those shows know how realistic it is? You don't know unless you're in high school right now what the hell kids are doing. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason they wanted to go like a setting out of time kind of thing. Because they wanted to be able to... Well, no, for, but that was what scared for our me. listeners, the next mailbag, tell us how much sex you're having in high school these days. What? Oh, don't tell us that. <laughs> um, oh God, I hope there's been a lot of high school. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I was going to say scam. That was one of the big things about the, the TV show Scam that Gotta we back still need to go back to. Mm. You've said, and you just made a face like we're never going back to it. That's not my face. Uh, that was one of the big things was that they like interviewed uh, hundreds of teenagers yeah. to try and to try and ask them what their biggest issues are and ask them for stories and ask them like that what that show felt more authentic to me for yeah sure it's meant to though that show is meant to be more of a mockumentary yeah whereas this one was meant to be more of like a that big 80s yeah. teen movie feel okay i don't know obviously not wow. another thing that was not for you might have might have more to say about that show than our main segment today uh possibly <laughs> um the other Netflix one I was going to bring up, uh-huh. you had a lot to say about Miss Americana. Oh, yes. So Miss Americana is the Taylor Swift documentary that's come out. <laughs> that is like part propaganda, part yeah, attempt. It's not 50-50 split. I didn't say 50-50. Okay. I said part propaganda, part attempt to be a real documentary, and part just like a fan movie. But it just came out like this week, right? Yeah, like on Monday. Like why was it not synced up with the release of the album? Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. I think they doesn't wanted Beyonce to... release like a full length feature film with every yeah, but CD this was she more does? of like a um, mm. what am I trying to say? Like a deep dive or like it went all the way back yeah. to when she was like her first album and stuff. It wasn't just focus. I think she to didn't get want to it. all of her trauma. Yeah, I think it didn't. She sure. didn't want it to feel like it was tied to the right the album, even though it's all butterflies by the end. Hmm? Her butterfly motif. Her flies? Is that what you tried to shorten butterflies to flies? What did I say? Her flies. No, I don't. We'll check the tape. <laughs> um, um, so, do you want me to give my feelings, or you want to just do your the two seconds you watched and just do your rant? Yeah, no. I'll just say, prefacing all of my thoughts, I think I watched, like, three and a half minutes of the the hundred-minute runtime. So, yeah. and yeah, like the you last... should speak first, since you actually watched it. <laughs> um, I think I enjoyed watching it for the most part. I did, like, she did show a little bit more of, like, a vulnerable side of herself. Like, she was a little bit more, she admits that she's very calculated with the way that she has her public persona. Sure. So she showed a little bit more of the behind the scenes than I think she usually has shown previously. Mm -hmm. I think you heard me say, but her flies. Butterflies. (laughs) Oh. Like, butterface. Yeah. They said, but her flies. I always thought butterface meant that they're, like, face, (laughs) that their face looked really fat because they ate, like, they ate too much butter. I always just picture someone with a really round face because, like, they ate too many cookies or something. Even now, I have to, like, remind myself that it... Anyway. Um, I just picture butter face. Yeah, I know. She looks like she's had too much butter. Yeah. Uh, Or Mrs. Butterworth. I don't know. Um, 
so what the fuck was I saying? Um, so she admits a lot of it. She she shows. Oh boy, <laughs> third guest, third host. I mean, um, she Go shows boy. that she is kind of self-aware, but at the same time, when she's not, it's very confusing. She's very self-aware about some things, right? Like saying like. Yes, I know I'm very calculated about my public appearance. I do that on purpose. But if I'm not calculated, then people attack me for that. So she talks about kind of how she's attacked or she's damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. Yeah. But then again, this whole documentary overall wasn't very self-aware. Yeah. Uh, And it definitely read... I don't know. it, It was hard because it almost seemed like she wanted to do like a biopic. Correct. Uh, It went all the way back and kind of tried to give you... I don't make you feel sympathy or give you some sense of the journey that she's been on or some sense yeah. of where she's come from. You wanted to paint an arc of her life yeah. and career. But I think that when you do when you have too long of a time span that you're trying to do, mm-hmm. it comes off as like a weird like biopic kind of thing. Yeah. And um I think that it was interesting to see some of her choices about the election uh-huh. um, and about I wish the, I would have seen that the part, sexual actually. assault trial that she went through and everything. Assume that was in there, yeah. Um, which was she did pretty well, handled pretty well in the documentary. But then she also gives this um, has this whole part about like pressing uh, pressing post on the Instagram post she did about politics, mm. where she seems like she's doing something that's like gonna get her arrested. Yeah, like she's like I understand. Like even when I post pictures on Instagram, I get a little like jittery. Like sure. I think everyone gets some butterflies. Like oh, I'm posting this to the yeah. world, and I get that she has a huge platform, so she was anxious about it. Yeah, but it, they played it like the climax of the film almost. Wow. Um, and she was just like so nervous. She had a publicist sitting right there. I don't know what her publicist was gonna help with, and um, that just felt a little. A little odd or a little not self-aware. Yeah. Like you're not risking your life here. You're in to a to be like like Rosa, like Rosa Parks, like looking from above. Like, what are the 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 you know the trailblazers of today doing? Oh, they're clicking a fucking button. Yeah, and and I don't want to minimize what she did. Supposedly, like the voter turnout was a lot higher, and like younger voters moved the needle and, a bit. Yeah, and she definitely, I think at least got some interest in the election in the midterm elections and i'm sure there were some of her fans that were like oh i hadn't actually read up on the candidates now i will or now sure. i'll register to vote um but i also don't think it needs to be played off as the climax of a of the documentary like her whole life was leading up to pressing yeah post on an instagram thing where she as their only retribution is like she she won't be able to lose afford a couple as many followers cats. like she'll <laughs> she'll like lose some tour people going on her tour yeah I, that far it a little bit not disingenuous but just a little bit anticlimactic to me of like yeah. you're not really risking your life here no. per se maybe people will be mad at you or something but yeah. you're not like going out in a protest where you're gonna get arrested yeah. i don't know uh, okay. i enjoyed it yeah but i also don't think it's like an amazing documentary i think she had her hand a lot in it yeah i think oh. you gave a good summary of it so i'll just give my couple of hot takes like in terms of the style of it Every time she'd be, like, sitting cross-legged on the floor, like, trying... You could tell she was trying really hard to to talk naturally. But you could also kind of tell it was probably the third take of her talking naturally. Where they were, like, doing a couple takes about the same question or the same anecdote. And, like, that's fair. We're in a podcast where we stop and re-record if we need to. Sure, or if there's background noise. I swear we're not watching porn right now. These are the the grunts of a two-month-old. Um... I couldn't get over the line about I just I just was done being muzzled. Taylor Swift, you have never been muzzled in your life. Yeah. I that one got me. Yeah, it's a little bit like check your privilege, girl. Yeah. Like it, 
you can tell that she's trying and I appreciate she's it. She's trying so hard. And like, I get it. I'm her age. I'm a white girl who grew up in a lot of, in a place where it's not a lot of racial diversity sure. or racial issues talked about. Uh, and she's trying and I get it, but I'm also not like making a documentary and having the climax be about the one time I kind of tried. She just seems like very clued in and obsessed with what everyone is saying about her and i'm doing everyone in air quotes because i'm sure when you are that popular on instagram and other platforms it feels like the whole world feels this way about you her whole song mean was all about like one critic that repeatedly was mean to her right so i just feel like she extrapolates a lot and it's just well she lives under a magnifying glass and she talks about that and i think that it's like self-imposed it also turns into kind of like an uh, an echo chamber is that the right use Look of at that? you throwing all these metaphors is that the around. right use of that phrase sure we'll go with like it. she's like the same things just she, yeah. like get really magnified and yeah. louder and ampli- amplified is the word i was thinking yeah so yeah she is trying very hard to do the right things to be seen with the right people based on the way the documentary ended and she also says she does admit she's like well i can't go back and change now what i did or didn't do during the last election like i can't change that all i can do is go do better going forward right so i appreciate that mentality and i wish more people i hope more people have that mentality since that election of like well i can't change that yeah but i'll be better next time yeah um but once again was that worth making a whole documentary about just to show that scene the most impactful scene was her arguing with a bunch of old white dudes, including her dad and, like, mm-hmm. her head of security people and stuff about whether or not she should come out and talk about uh-huh. politics. Huh. Um, and that, she was, like, cr- doing the thing that I do when she's upset about something and is crying while she's trying to make her point. Right. And then it's frustrated that she's crying because, like, it makes her seem like... I don't know. Yeah, so no, she, no that, I guess that's that a good critique was... on my criticism because I am picturing her as like a complete autonomous person but she does have a team and she does have and they argue influencers i mean, I mean i'm her. sure she put this conversation in on purpose but it did not seem like a scripted conversation sure. like she's crying saying this is really important to me uh-huh. and i i don't think you understand uh where i'm coming from i yeah. don't think you get it and they're like well we don't want you like this is about your safety and this is about your career and mm-hmm. your success in your career okay so there's a so, real dilemma there there was a real dilemma there and it wasn't just from her and obviously there was a choice to put that specific scene in but that scene was not was also not yeah. a lot of takes like it was a sure, very sure, genuine sure. argument that she's having with her dad and with other people yeah. on her team and i definitely have felt that way <laughs> Uh, of trying to convince people that you need to act and having these people, especially status quo, old white dude. Sure. No offense to Scott Swift. Um, That's his name? Pretty sure it's Scott. Hmm. No offense to her dad. Um, but I, I've definitely been on that side of the conversation. So that part I found very relatable. Okay. So I will show you that scene sometime if you want to see that part of it. Sure. Fair enough. Was this all introductory stuff? Yes, we have Good lord. I was thinking this was going to be a long one. It's a one. short one. I lied. And our third our third host is awake, so we'll see how this yeah. goes. Um, so are we on to news? news? <laughs> yeah. You want me to talk about a few things? Uh, do, you have, do you have some things to talk about? Yeah, I was not just organized adding. as usual. Oh. But um, mostly sports related, I guess, to, to start with. Those are my only good news is they're sports related. Um, Australian Open. We yeah. talked before the beginning of the tournament and mm-hmm. and now after the end of it. In terms of our predictions, uh, you did quite you did pretty well. You thought Dominic Team would win or you picked Dominic mm-hmm. to win. 
I picked a guy who didn't even end, end up entering the tournament. Jesus. <laughs> I think he was injured at the time of our recording, <laughs> yet I picked him anyways. Shows how much of a tennis expert I am. Um, so It's the start of the season. Yeah. That's the joke, because tennis season is a circle. It never ends. Yeah. But um, technically it's the start of the so season. So between Wimbledon and Roger's loss there, and then this tournament and Dominic's loss here, it's been a trying... Trying or you six could months. look at the positive side of it and mm. think that your favorites keep getting to finals. It's true. I do take pride in it because I got on the Dominic bandwagon back when he was just kind of like a mid-level player who like some people were keeping an eye on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was ahead of the curve a little bit. So overall, it was an okay tournament. Like the people who were there are talking about how much drama and how much controversy there was and i know you know some of it was about the marker court stuff which is to be expected and should be a uh contentious talking point uh but yeah from afar when it's hard to watch it for more than like an hour at night yeah and then catch up in the morning it felt like an okay tournament but nothing too special the best part was curios winning against um karen what's his face uh hatching off you like that match yeah that was my favorite match and then the curie okay that was the most exciting match because i was just purely cheering for curios and yeah. i was shocked well, that, that was, was cool because that was during our waking up every two hours so we actually watched that one live yeah while well, he yeah. was eating yeah um that one was like i was just shocked and having fun with it because i was actually cheering for curious george as i call him for yeah. once and then the curios versus nadal match was very interesting as well that was a very very good ten- i think that was the best tennis match of Overall, the tournament yeah. that we watched it's good um that's good and analysis. then nadal kissing the ball girl yeah, that, after that striking awkward. her in the face. He, yeah. he hit her in the face with the ball and then went over and kissed her on the cheek and apparently bought her and her family dinner. Yeah. Um, those are my only good news, basically. Okay. Um, you know, a quick shout-out to our, our Red Sox Nation roots. Uh, there's, like, people are going to start f- flipping cars outside Fenway Park, About I think. About Beth. Yeah. And, I mean, we still don't know, as of now, the trade could fall apart thanks to your yours truly, Minnesota Twins. Um, but yeah, the Red Sox, he has one year left on his contract, apparently, and you know how baseball works, you can, you can have as high of a payroll as you want. Bold of you to assume I know how baseball works. So you can, you can have as high of a payroll as you want, but if it's over a certain level, you pay a tax. Right, the, um, luxury tax thing. You were, you had me doubting you. You had yourself doubting yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, so right, that money just goes back to MLB proper. Um... So it becomes a question of, do you want to win and have to give up some of your own cash, or do you want to, you know, play it a little bit safer? And so John Henry, billionaire, Red Sox owner, is mm-hmm. saying he can't afford to pay whatever it is like $12 million luxury tax. Yeah. So he's trading what people consider to be like the most franchise player since Ortiz. Really? People feel that strongly about him? I've never been super high on Mookie, probably because I've always had Devers in fantasy, so I'm always rooting for him to be like the breakout stars. But Mookie gets that because he hits for power, but also is super fast and really good at defense as well. What about JBJ? Can I hit to save his life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His average was like barely 200. Right. So if you combine Devers' power with Jackie's speed and defense, then you get equals Mookie, basically. Got it. Yeah. Um, a, what do they call it? Triple threat? Uh, five tool player or triple threat, yeah. There you go. I was going to say triple tool player. <laughs> yeah, no, don't That's say that. That's a combo of the two of them. Um, only other sports note was we watched the first half of the Michael Vick documentary. Yeah, sort of by accident. Why did you it was make a me watch that? real slow TV night. 
Um, we don't get out much lately. I had a lot <laughs> so. of thoughts about it at the time. Now trying to remember back. Just apol- Just it's a Michael Vick, Vick uh, apology note. Yeah, I mean, it was clearly... Very apologist. Yeah, it was clearly, like, brought about by him and his team and presented. Not that they were going to gloss over everything, but, but they were telling to his story. But for it. They sure. were definitely spinning a lot of excuses. So, yeah, I won't even waste time trying to dissect it, but all I'll say is that we watched the first half. Supposedly the second half, you know, was purely focused on the dogfighting scandal and the fallout thereof. But, yeah, the way they present the first half is that here's Michael Vick coming from this poor town, and because of the way his his football career goes, he ends up getting into legal trouble. And because his, his friends are bad influences, influences on him. And within, like, three minutes of me doing research on my own, you discover that his kennel, quote-unquote kennel, yeah. uh, was incorporated. Apparently, you incorporate your dogfighting kennels. But anyways, in 2001, the year he was drafted, which to me means his friends went, you're leaving Virginia Tech, you got the money now, let's do what we've been planning all along. Or what we were like secretly doing on the side, and then we can like take it up a level. Franchise it, yeah. Yeah. So... So lots of holes. Yeah. Very flimsy, trying to cover up of excuses, and yeah. That's enough on that. Um... Is that your bad news or good news or neither? That was, my sports sports, note? that was my sports minute. Okay. My only other good news was that I, I started playing the original Uncharted because I got the collector set. Yeah. Uh, and so I beat the first one. It's a strange game, especially near the, the end. The zombies. Like, I could see introducing zombies on, like, the fourth, you know, iteration of a game. When you're, like, out of ideas. Yeah, I was not expecting that. And I did not know Call of Duty had zombies now. It's like a special mode called COD oh. Zombies, yeah. So yeah, Uncharted, I mean, I assume the one I played was originally on like PS2, so the mechanics weren't great. There was way too much shooting, like the shooting to puzzles to exploring uh, ratio. ratio was not good. Um, so yeah. It reminded me a little, a little bit, bit of that um, Mars Doom game where like you just fight someone, you go to the next room and they're like, and now there's a fight. And you're like, I Correct. just did a fight scene. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and then my other bad news is that one of the shows we're talking about soon already got canceled by Netflix. Spinning out. Oh, yeah. I've been telling people to watch that, too. Oh, man. Sometimes you just need it. (laughs) Need a figure skating soap opera? Yeah. Um, one my other good news that I almost forgot to mention was that there's a Hallmark movie filming in Minnesota. (laughs) Well, there's a movie filming in Minnesota, uh, and the article said we we pray that Hallmark will purchase this movie. Yeah, Is that like, how it works? I don't know. I don't. I think there are some Hallmark produced ones, and then other ones. This is that, an independent Hallmark movie. You're I I don't know. Um, I have. I'll I'll try to quickly go through my bad news. Yeah, let's do a lightning um, round. So sick of the palindrome thing. I know it was one day. Wow. It really irritated me. Man, if you want to see Heather fired up, tell her there's a fucking date-based palindrome It has nothing to do with the date-based palindrome and everything to do with how many fucking times I had to see it shared on Facebook and have people be like, did you know that it's a palindrome? Like, first of all, that doesn't affect my life. There are serious things going on. My day is no different knowing that it's the same backwards and forwards. It doesn't affect me. (laughs) Also, every fucking day in February is that if you don't put the zero, like right now it's 02820. it's a fucking palindrome i did it whatever also like it's just a clickbait news cycle kind of thing where it's like everyone's like oh this is cute and i need to share it on facebook and then they see it a thousand times because apparently it's news that there are numbers that can be read forward and backward I have and it's 
I have nothing to add. Okay. My favorite was like people were extra excited because it was the rare global palindrome. Yeah, I was just gonna say that too. <laughs> because because yeah, America screwed up and month, does it. Whatever. Yeah. Oh god. Um, Studio Ghibli is coming. I've never to heard of that. Do white people love that? It's coming to Netflix in the UK only. Okay. I got excited for half a second, and then because there are quite a f- I've only Gosh, watched like you two had, movies. You had me there for a minute. Well, it would have been your bad news either way. Um, Susan Collins' new book, the yeah. Hunger Games new book, is focusing on President Snow. Right, the one character people were clamoring for for the backstory of. Yes, please make excuses for another sad white man who turns out to be evil. Um, the heavyweights guy. We just watched that with your parents. Correct. Arrested, looking very very sad right so yeah on a lot of math as a former fat kid like i didn't watch heavyweights when it first came out but i was introduced to it later on so it it resonates obviously yeah um and so yeah you have keenan was probably the funniest to see but you're talking about goldberg i think yeah, from mighty, mighty ducks. ducks yeah yeah he's had it rough. between that and then me watching some french fresh prince of bel-air the other day and remembering was it Carlton or was it the butler who? It was Carlton they found bagging groceries and they like no, the bullied him? Jeffrey, or it was Butler? Jeffrey. Okay. Yeah. Just named Jeffrey, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, Next! New editions of Harry Potter, fucking again. Oh, really? Now there's like new hardcover editions with new art that has il- full, full illustrations inside. It's like, I just, I'm not even done collecting the illustrated editions that haven't even all the way come out yet. And now you're coming out with another edition? Fuck off. Leave me alone. Okay. Um, the last ones, if you don't want to hear about a few childbirth things, <laughs> skip ahead a minute or two. Okay. Um, I saw this on Twitter, like a weird fact that uh-huh. the chainsaw was invented for childbirth. I don't think you want to hear this. I've already if had we put the baby. earmuffs over our child. He looks so concerned right now. Apparently, they used to have to if if the baby wasn't coming out, they would saw at a woman's pelvis to try and cut chunks out of her pelvis out okay. to make more yeah, room no, for the baby. No, I'm not. I'm not on for this. I'm not okay. involved in this. Yikes! <laughs> Horrifying. Also, slightly related to this, there is a postpartum, um, like product ad that's been rejected for the soup for the Super Bowl and for the. Um, Oscars, uh-huh. like stations won't play it uh-huh. because I don't know why it's been flagged as like inappropriate. When the one that shows- makes me uncomfortable is the one with the elephant in the shower, with telling the the ladies that they should s- smell up their area down there. Yeah, so that commercial's allowed, correct? I, yeah, that commercial's allowed to play on TV. Yeah, this commercial just shows a new mom, like, she goes to the bathroom, she has the mesh underwear. There's no nudity or anything. Uh-huh. It just shows her sitting Man, on the that toilet. mesh underwear was a big part of my life for a while. It shows her sitting on the toilet with the mesh underwear and putting the giant pad in yeah. and using the squeeze Been bottle. There. And, like, very much my recent life. Yeah. And it was flagged as inappropriate and they won't play it. Yeah, And no. it, all it was doing was advertising for, um, for... Mesh underwear. Like, me, like a better version of that. Oh. Like, there's a kit, there's a company, the one that makes the nose thing that we 3M. don't like. 3M. No, Frida. They make the nose. Um, what are you really thing? doing, 3M? <laughs> um, shh, they'll it's hear you. It's not just all fucking post-it they'll notes hear over you. there on 94. Um, so yeah, they 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 were advertising for a new like postpartum kit that has sure. better versions of these things for moms, not just the free shit you get at the hospital. And it, they flagged it as inappropriate and won't show it. Hmm. Bad when news. When they can show 
let's douche your vagina or whatever the fuck yeah, after with an elephant's is. trunk. And they can't show, like, a woman just having birthed a baby. Yeah. Anyways, frustrating. I think that's all my news is. Okay. Um, I'll take the quick advertisement today. Okay, it's go gonna for be it. A, it's going to be a shout out to Book Digits user uh, Peter B. MacD. Uh, he and Susan, we have two members of the Diamond Club already. Which is impossible. How do you get in the Diamond Club? You read a fuck ton of books. And, and, you, and you make full reviews with tags. It's true. And you also have to review books from our Book of the Week list, which if you're an author and you want your book featured, get in touch with the show. Mm-hmm. We can make it happen. Or if you just like have a favorite book and you want to you know, pay us to advertise for it, yeah. you can do that too. But Peter B., he, uh, he made some donations to our site, so he'll help to keep us running for the next few months at least. And uh, got bumped up to the Diamond Club in the process. All... All legal. I'm still trying to figure out. I, I still need more tags. I've gone back and added extra tags on all the oh, books I reviewed cheater. this year. Um, I've actually read a couple books. I think we Anyways. should talk about the book then as we're on that note. All right. So this is a book that... The children love the book. This is a book that I read last year. It was all over the gram, as they say. Oh, it was? Bookstagram. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the next Jojo Moyes, is what the cover says. I still haven't read that Jojo Moyes book. It's been on my bookshelf for two months, two mm. years. Um, it is called The Flat Share. Mm. It is by an author, Beth O'Leary. That's the one. Uh, I bought it in the UK because I liked the UK cover better, and it was out in paperback there. That was one of our weird airport bookstore finds wasn't it we couldn't find a paperback anywhere and then it was, was going to say the so airport? we went to the we went to Foles. you got daisy jones at Foles. Foley's? Foles, i think oh um i got daisy jones there yeah because they had like a signed pretty cover of it right yeah no i got the terrible mark Haddon and you got the yeah, flat share like, at the airport it was a off. special airport Only paperback, paperback. Yeah. um anyway so it was all we're over not, you also got recently got a special edition of a new Philip Pullman book. I don't want to get anyone arrested. <laughs> the book says it can only be sold on the Indian subcontinent. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Um, so this book, uh, I read share. it last year on last our vacation. Year. Well, it's twenty twenty now, twenty nineteen. I read it on our European vacation last year. Uh huh. Um. And then I told you that I thought you should read it. Uh-huh. Um, I thought you might enjoy it. And you just got around to reading it. It's true. I had a baby in the meantime. It occupies You had the baby? <laughs> uh, so, do you want to give a summary since you more recently read it than I'll me? give a summary, sure. I, I wish I had it in front of me so I could have the character names off the top of my head. Um, so, there, it's a very contrived um, setup. A flat, in case you don't know, is a term in the UK and Europe for an apartment. Tiffy. So, right. So, you have two characters, Tiffy and Leon. Or Leon. Mm-hmm. Leon. Um, so, Tiffy has just gotten out of a relationship. Yep. A quite a damaging relationship, as you later learn. And she is moving out of her boyfriend's place and needs a new place to stay. And she's pretty well employed. She's living with the ex-boyfriend still. Correct. And like, so, so her friends, her friends, her are, friends like, are like, get girl, out, girl. get out, yeah. Um, and she has a decent job at this publishing house, but I guess it doesn't pay well enough, so she's trying well, to she like... Well, she in London. Correct, yeah. 
So she needs to save some money. Then you have Leon, mm -hmm. who works overnight shift at a hospice uh, center as like a, a nurse. Yeah. And he owns a flat, but he's trying to save money because his brother is in jail and they're trying to pay a lawyer to help him get out. Um, so what do you have when you combine those two people? Why not have them live in one place but never see each other? So there's the gimmick of the book. They share an apartment. It says it right on the front cover. It's not, it's it's very, not a very yeah, no, bleak they don't situation. Hide it, no. So there's one apartment, two people, but they're in it at exactly opposite times of the day when they're sleeping or home. Yeah. So for the first half of the book, they do not meet face to face. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, a ro it's a romance. So you can tell that they're fated to... The little post-it notes that start to build up. Right. So uh, it is a little bit of a uh, epistolary novel in the sense that they end up writing post-it notes. 3M shout out again. Um, to each other. I'm not really sure why it starts. It's just about like food and leftovers. I like say, I bake yeah. this or I cook this. Yeah. And so that's basically they're flirting, you know, one way or another. Um, and yeah, drama ensues in between because of the ex-boyfriend, because of the friends, because of the, the brother in jail. Uh, because they meet each other, bump into each other in the bathroom, and he has a boner, and she's like, oh my god, he has a boner. And I was like, do, like, mid-20s or, like, early-30s people go like, oh my god, it's a boner still? That part. I don't know. I don't know. I've never said that, I guess, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the premise. That's the plot. Um, I was just surprised because I thought it was going to be more of a straightforward rom-com kind of thing where it's like oh what are they gonna meet and yeah. it ends up like being that she has like some pretty severe ptsd from her previous relationship well, and yeah. there's a whole lot of like emotional abuse with the with the ex-boyfriend and her uh, like mental health issues and stuff the, that yeah this i was book, not expecting that. this book was like once that new gaslighting had like entered the lexicon she was like i'm gonna write a book and gaslighting is going to be one of the themes uh, yeah. because you don't actually get any flashbacks to the relationship That's so you're true. only hearing about it through her like bad memories and stuff right first through like the skewed memories and then through what she thinks is the more accurate version yeah uh but yeah either way that's that is a important part of the book. So I wouldn't call it like a twist but it definitely no. is part of the book that I, I wasn't expecting. I thought it was just going to be like oh eventually they're going to meet and whatever and then it there's a whole lot of other complications to their relationship Yeah. that make it a little bit of a deeper book yeah. in a good way I think but yeah. different than what I was expecting. It makes it a longer book for sure It makes too. a longer book and a more complex book. Um, my other I think the thing I liked most about it was the format um, because you had dual narrators um and they had very distinctive um voices leon leon especially um had at first a kind of irritating voice he, he like doesn't use articles or doesn't use pronouns or no something. yeah he just skips words it's almost as if he's like dictating like computer code or something yeah or like jotting like writing it down in shorthand like, must call mom yeah girls at girl at apartment yeah so, you know, you could tell it was kind of done to, like, very clearly distinguish the two voices, but it did mix it up enough that when I would finish one chapter, and it does flip every other chapter, so I'd be like, okay, I want to jump back into his voice, now her voice, okay, then back to him. So, it worked in some ways. So, I think I gave it a B-minus. 
I enjoyed I it. Game. I think I gave it a B plus. I wasn't like over the moon about their relationship. I just got really invested. At first, I was kind of like, she's a little bit annoying, and I don't really know what her thing is. His mm-hmm. tone of voice is kind of weird, and I, I guess I was just impressed how the author like won me over. Yeah. Like, I eventually kind of. Uh, started to really root for and cheer for Tiffy mm-hmm. even before a lot of the stuff about her past is revealed you start to kind of cheer for Leon even though he's like a bit strange compared to yeah. it was a good it was a, a good strange. examination of an introvert I'll give it that as well yeah uh cuz yeah he sometimes was not well understood by Tiffy or by other people um there was the subplot about him looking for one of his patients gay lovers yeah. Which didn't really land for me. Then there was that bizarre scene where they go to the ocean within moments. She's passed out and drowning, and they end up sleeping in the same bed. It's all a big uh, thing just to get them in the same bed. Yeah, I can see, like, now looking back on it, that it, some of it was kind of contrived. But reading it, I got really into it. And then when a lot of the stuff came out about her past, I was like, oh, this book actually has some like deeper points to make. It's not just yeah. like, oh, they have posted notes and now they're in love. It's not just the gimmick. Yeah. There's more no, to it than just the gimmick. The other detail that really irked me was that 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 guy who was looking for his gay lover, that patient, he knitted uh, scarves in you his spare time. You did mention this. And this is the one comment you made to me while reading the book. Yeah, and, and th- these scarves kick off like Tiffy's yeah. entire career renaissance. Because she works at a publishing house that does weird, like, DIY books. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that whole Um, subplot. So she finds out that Leon has this patient who knits scarves. So she urges him to give her the scarves. She then then tells him to sell them, like, on Etsy. And he tells her that he's made thousands of dollars. Like, I don't know what fabric these could be. (laughs) Or what pattern he could have used. I don't know. But lots of people knit. It's not that rare of a thing. You're very excited about the knitting. It's not that rare of a thing. Um, So it kicks off this whole thing. I think the point is like a very high quality scarf would would be expensive. I don't know. Um, So yeah, we talk about Rainbow Rowell way too much on this podcast, but it felt like a British Rainbow Rowell novel to me almost. Almost like the... um, Landline, landline would have been landline. potentially the closest relationship. Yeah, or attachments. You never read that one. I never don't think. Read it. It's actually a combo of the two of those. I think. Um, I was just surprised that I don't know. Trigger warnings, I guess, if you read it, because I thought some of the emotional abuse stuff was pretty intense, and I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't mentioned more when I saw reviews of it and things. Yeah. In terms of just giving people a heads up about that content. Yeah. Okay, so our last segment for today. We're talking about a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's called The Good Place. Look away if you loved this show, because that is not the the take that you're about to get on this. We are certainly contrarians when it comes to The Good Place. I think I think we are Good Place realists. Ooh, I think a lot of people who felt the way that we do about this show gave up after season two or just shut up about it because everyone else is or like, just shut up about it yeah yeah i i sought out a lot of reviews about the good place and there's a very very vo- min- minor vocal minority who speaks up against the show the one that i sent you i think is the fairest and the closest to absolutely make sure we get this tweeted out because um yeah it was an ew review uh, a recap of the final episode, and it acknowledged the high points, but it talked about the low points and just the overall 
like sugar sweetness of this show and why it doesn't always work. I um, did. I did tweet. It's it. already out there mm-hmm. on DD Get Down. Yep. So, so yeah, we watched all of season four, which was you know whatever twelve, thirteen episodes. Um. It feels like it was a very long season despite only having that many episodes. Like, it goes all the way back to when they had those terrible new characters. That's because there was no consistency at all through it. Wow. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know, my overall issues with the show is that too much of it tried to be like a running inside joke, which worked for a lot of people, clearly. Did not work for me. Although, like, so much of the last, like, episode or two was hinged on, like, hinged on references to things right. from like season one mm-hmm. that i have no recollection of at this point no and like the the one that always gets jeremy to me bear is me. jeremy bear me where it's like yeah no i got it you got you got two words that rhyme one of them's a name one of them's not anything um and there was one episode about it and it was something to do about that's how time moves and the i and the dot is something funny got it but the la- entire last episode was like, oh, two Jeremy Baramies ago. Yeah. And it's like, it's not even fu- it wasn't even funny the first time. Right. And it's not to say that Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine don't have running gags. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who are like, the little Sebastian thing is not funny. Yeah. But they also at least have Ben Wyatt, who's like acknowledging it's not funny. Yeah, and they like, have the, the straight man or the... Right. The, and in this one, it was just foil. like, everyone was like, Jeremy Barami is fucking hilarious. Forking hilarious, excuse me. Um, it just seemed like it's like someone makes a bad joke. Yeah. And then they keep repeating that same bad joke. And you're like, I heard you the first time. I just didn't laugh because it wasn't funny. Right. That's how but it it's felt like, like this whole the show. The show felt very meme culture to me because it's like, oh yeah, remember when we all posted about Jeremy Barramy? Like, let's bring that up again. I thought that was an interesting thing. I'm going to bring it back a second to Miss Americana. Okay. Uh, there was a review that they quoted in it talking about how... Taylor Swift very rarely makes pop culture references. I love that. It's one of my goals in my own writing is to limit as limit uh, pop culture references to as few as possible. And and it makes her songs feel a little bit more timeless. Like anyone who's in high school can relate to absolutely teardrops on my guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Or the um the one Tim McGraw images, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Sure, Love maybe. story. Romeo and Juliet. Like, that's not going out of fashion anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, so she very rarely makes, like, current pop culture references. Correct. And this show felt like the opposite of that. Of that pendulum, it was yeah. just... There's a fucking leftovers joke in the finale. And, like, it's such, like, an inside TV joke, too. No one gives a flying fuck that Carrie Coon did not get nominated for the leftovers. She was fine. Like, that doesn't deserve a place in a finale... Of an entire show. And, like, why even bother with that pop culture mention? Like, okay, so that connects back to my big issue for the show. Mm. One of one of my big issue for the show overall is that they tried to make it a very intellectual show. It's literally it's based on philosophy, philosophy yeah. and afterlife. And then yet the final season, and especially the final episode, all of a sudden they're trying to make it emotional. Yep. And I think that they did a very bad job mm-hmm. of making that transition from being kind of an intellectual, witty joke show yeah. to trying to like have you emotionally invested in the characters. And for me, I never made that switch. For me, I watched it going, this is a pretty clever show. It's right. a different type of show. I haven't seen for this sure. kind of show Especially for sure. Especially on network TV. But to, to have a fucking uh, 
cast reunion at the end. Like this was a fucking oh, season I was of Survivor. To that. I was gonna get when to I that. didn't give a shit about any of them. I why yeah. the questions made no sense. There was nothing to wrap up the hour and a half long fucking epilogue last last episode. You did not then need. I was so fascinated oh by that because the runtime on the DVR said an hour and a half, and I was like, really? And then they all start disappearing. You know, the characters literally walk off screen and disappear. And I'm like, huh, there's a whole 20 minutes left. And then it cuts, and there's uh, there's Seth. Seth Myers. Yeah. I'm like, what What universe have we crossed into now? I didn't know he was in the Sure universe. Uh, side note, everyone's like, Nick Offerman had the best cameo of the entire decade. Oh. Like, he was there for 10 seconds, and he talked about Wood. Yeah. Dress him up as Ron Swanson. Make it funny. Yeah. Um, so, right. Seth Myers interviews them... And none of them had anything to say, aside no. from that they loved each other and they watched the final episode together. Like, it also, like, made the very bold assumption that everyone was a super fan. Yeah. That, like, everyone wanted to see, like, the after show thing. Mm-hmm. No. Nobody did it. Like, it just seemed very cocky. Yeah. To be like, we know we made the best show ever and everyone is just going to be so sad about the show being over. No, right. it was, will not affect my life. If anything, I'll be happier that I'm not going... Oh, God, I have to watch The Good Place tonight. <laughs> um, I'm also over Kristen, Kristen Bell. I had, like, a hard crush on Kristen Bell, like, 17, 18 years old. Um, that's gone for me. I don't know. I, I'm not over her, necessarily, but the Cheaty Eleanor thing never worked for me. No. And every time I hear her talk about how how hard she and her husband have to work to, to make it last, I just get flashbacks to Jen and Ben, and it upsets Oof, me. Okay. Um, uh, what else? What else can we say? No, the other issue I had with as you, yeah. you you reminded me when you talked about the beginning of the season with those new characters. Yeah. The idea that like everyone is redeemable, including like the jackass, correct, misogynist, sec- like misogynist, racist white dude. Right. He was going to get there eventually. Was how they ended it. Yeah. Everyone's redeemable. Yeah. That is not the right message for this no. this uh, current political climate in this country or in the UK. Yeah. That is not the right message. I'm not saying that you should just chuck everyone off a bridge if they don't agree with you. But like the idea that like Took a few people though. the idea that like no matter how racist and misogynist and how horrible of a person you are, as long as should, you have an infinity, that you'll we be should fine. keep giving you more and more and more and more chances, even though you've already showed us a thousand times your true colors. Not from the start when they introduced me. that character, it was just like I get like they're setting themselves up for a big challenge. I respect that, but they there was nothing you could do, and it was trying to be way too too moderate of a yeah. of a viewpoint for me for like it seemed like such an innocuous message like everyone can be yeah. everyone can be saved but when you set it up with that type of character in the place our country is in right yeah. now it did not work for me if i can be brutally honest like i think it's been pretty clear like when mike sure has talked about how the show came about like he read a bunch of philosophy books uh and then decided to make a show that like brought some of those themes into it but like you were saying, it it tried to start by being a very intellectual show, and it kind of just gave up on that at a certain point. And that's how it kind of felt was that like this was a very one on one intro to philosophy. And then by the time you got to the end of season two, and you had done all the twists you could imagine, and you had taught people about the fucking trolley problem that they won't stop talking about, like what else are you gonna do? You're gonna try to reinvent heaven, okay? And how do you keep people coming back when you haven't really set up emotional connections with your characters? Yeah. 
and they tried to like throw that in and right i've ranted before about like the jacksonville jaguar joke and how that one needed to die so long and ago how it didn't age well i feel a little i feel like people should be a little bit offended about like how dumb they make jason's character especially since he's one of the diverse characters we also watch non-white characters i should say yeah characters of color yeah we also watch single parents and Mm -hmm. mickey on there is is what they were trying to do with jason and And he snuck up on you and is now in a throuple like that was fucking genius in that show and that's how they should have done that show is really getting its legs i hope it doesn't get canceled i'm sure it will but um my only other thing I read about this show, because I finally stopped clicking on Good Place links, but Sure had this interview, and he said he almost committed to this joke where Jason Mendoza did not know what a farm was, and it was going to be a recurring joke. He said that during one episode, he thought in the writer's room, wouldn't it be hilarious if someone mentioned a farm and Jason didn't understand what agriculture or animal husbandry was? And then apparently every single week from then on, the writer's room would introduce in every single script a joke where Jason would end up saying, what's a farm? And Mike would have to edit it out of the script every time, and that's how much fun they were having writing this show. That's what it comes down to me, is you could tell the writer's room was having a fucking ball. That's what... I've started to say that in a lot of shows. Like, yeah. wow, somebody really is patting themselves on the back for yeah. writing that line. Yeah. And that this every single thing... If it's like a circle jerk in the writer's yeah. room, every single episode, and they came up with another joke. The only Jason joke that I liked was that he accidentally becomes a monk at the end. That yeah. was the only full circle thing that I was like, all right, right. I like all that. All that poo-pooing, the finale was probably... was definitely the best episode of this season. This I, don't rem- I didn't like the finale at all. You didn't like the finale? No. You said you got a little emotional at a couple different times. Yeah, they forced it. Yeah. Okay, I fell for it a couple times, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. There was certain parts of it I liked. I just thought it was too epilogue Oh, absolutely. But it it's Parks and Rec finale as well. Every character gets their send-off. But I cared about the Parks Every and Rec. Every character gets but a... But Parks and Rec <laughs> makes you care about the characters. Right. I had emotional connections to the characters. This show failed to get me to care that much about the different characters. Yeah, it followed that template, though. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm saying that Temple doesn't work because this yeah. was a very different type of show than that type of show. I hear you. So it irritated me. And yeah. also, like, if Eleanor and Chidi are meant to be soulmates... Oh, wow. To tell someone that you're ready to go into oblivion rather than spend another day with them? Ooh. And, like, the fact Ooh. that they're supposed to be soulmates and then Eleanor just has to, like, come up with other random things. Like, maybe this is what's going to oh, get me... an awkward scene. Yeah, I did not enjoy that. Mm-hmm. did not work for me. Okay. And yeah, sure, the Chidi and Eleanor scene got to me a little bit because they're sitting there talking about dying. Obviously, it makes you feel yeah. sad. But, like, I was... I don't know. Yeah, I think that's another thing that frustrated me is that Chidi was both the best and the worst character on the show. Because when he was at his best, it was amazing. And every other time when he was just, remember me, I can't make decisions, I wanted to pull my hair out. Also, he's, it's very unsettling to see the actor of that Ooh, without that his That Old glasses. Spice commercial yeah. or whatever he's in? Oof, yeah. So, yeah. Don't don't at us. Is that what they say? Don't at me. Yeah. About your actually do. You can argue That's with me fine. about the good place. It's fine. I'm over it. I'm glad it's over. Can we move on as a society? No one's gonna remember your show. And Brooklyn Nine Nine is back, and I laughed more at those two episodes than I did the whole season. I laughed of. more in the cold open of one of those episodes Ooh, than in the whole shit. season. I laughed at place. Vanessa Bayer. That says a lot about Brooklyn Nine Nine. It does. Yeah. That was the the role she was born laughed for. Mostly the role she was born for. About the. The pedometer jokes, but it helped that she was delivering them. Yeah. 
Pedometer? Is that the right word? Yeah. All right. It doesn't feel right. It's late. <laughs> Okay. Our third our third host is saying it's time to wrap up, so... Okay, rapid, rapid fire upcoming. Yeah, you said you um, only have two, so it's going to be very, very quick. I know, rapid, okay. rapid fire. Oh, the Obi-Wan Disney Plus show, also on hold indefinitely. Good. I feel like they just announced these things and like pretended to start filming them so people would buy Disney Plus, uh-huh. and then they had no intention of actually doing that. Well, we need to do our Star Wars review again. Save it for next time. <laughs> we it. haven't seen it yet, but we're going to give you joke. a review. That's the joke. I'm so glad Star Wars boys are disappointed. So glad. Go Anyways. for it. Just do your just do your real quick one right now. That's the whole theme of this episode is review. God, they backtracked seen. everything. Oh my God. Like they just needed to have one consistent director. Like now they're worse than the prequels. Oh my God. They just like absolutely ruined the second one, which absolutely ruined the first one. Like... Oh my god, The Force Awakens was, like, actually really good. I don't care that they just redid A New Hope, but, like, oh my god. Like, Ryan Johnson, just, why did you do that? And then, oh my JJ. god. JJ. JJ, why, why would you do that? Yeah. Wow. But Baby Yoda, at least we have The Mandalorian. By god. Was that good? Yes, we still need to watch The Mandalorian. We still have not seen Star Wars. Um... Is, is that off your chest now? Yeah. All right, my two actual upcomings. Live-action Bambi... Yeah. Why? No one. No one. Wants Why do they keep doing live action? We just with animals? watched like a whole day was worth of David Attenborough. Much better than live action Bambi. Yeah. And why do you keep doing why? Why would you do live action ones where there's no people? Yeah. Why do you keep doing that? Again, it's not live action if it's CGI. So they they need to find a better term. Um, more realistic Bambi. Yeah. I don't know. And the last Bambi one, with um, more blood. Yeah. Um, Charlene K. We yep. don't do a lot of music, but she has a new single that I really like called Too Much and a really cool video. Two women and up. A really cool video for it. So mm-hmm. check out her new single called Too Much. That's a good shout out. All right. Do you have anything to say? Yeah. It's bedtime. Okay. It's bedtime. Thanks right. for listening. We'll be back at you another episode soon, hopefully, with a, a TV show we're hoping to finish soon. Yeah. So toss the coin to your witcher. We will see you next time. Adios. Bye.